scenario for you folks out there. The Sports Machine with Slim. I want you to envision this as we get started on Wednesday's show here. It's January 3rd, year 2024. Envision this. The score is tied. Five seconds left in the game. Jason Tatum finds the ball. Four, three. It's in his hands. Step back from the logo at the buzzer. It's good. It's good. The Celtics win the game to move to the next round of the playoffs in the NBA. But no. That's not what happened last night. It wasn't an NBA playoff game, and it wasn't Jason Tatum nailing a buzzer beater. You know who it was? Caitlin Clark. Let's bring it right back full circle here with my discussions about Caitlin Clark over the last couple of weeks. Man, is she something special. And yes, in case you did not know this, last night she hit a buzzer beater, three-pointer from 10 feet behind the three-point line to win the game for her team. That's how you do it, Tatum. As we know, I instituted the Jason Tatum countdown clock, game winner, or tire, countdown clock, a couple weeks ago because he just hasn't been coming through. Last possession of the game, everyone wants to defer to Tatum, get him the ball, get him the ball, and get out of his way, and he does his step backs and misses. Well, Caitlin Clark showed you how it's done last night, buddy. She scored 40 points on 14 of 34 shooting, 8 of 20 from downtown, 8 of 20 from 3. On the downside, she had 6 turnovers, and she had 1 rebound. She played 37 minutes, folks. She had 1 rebound. So, I think there's limits on her uh, athletic potential when she goes to the next level. That's all I'm saying. Can't play 37 minutes and have one rebound and be the best player in basketball. But you can win the game for your team with the step back three. Jason Tatum, when the money's on the line, man, this team is going to need you to come through. Last night, the Celtics did play, in case anybody didn't know this already. They lost 127 to 123 to a very good Oklahoma City team. Very good. Shea Gilgis Alexander is a legit threat to win the MVP. You look at that team, it's like, you know, he's the guy. He's the catalyst for everything. He can get off a three, he can get to the hoop. The Celtics have, as a friend texted me earlier today, two of the best defensive guards in the NBA Drew Holiday and Derek White. Definitely. Man man to man D, they're two of the best guards in the world. And they could not stop this kid. At the very end, Tatum did take on the challenge, and they profiled that a little bit on TV if you were watching the game. They, you know, Tatum switched over to Gilgis Alexander, and the height impacted him. But still, he was able to, to cook him one or two times, got to the hole. And that's what, with the Celtics, I'm not disappointed, just so you know, as we enter into this this show today. We got 10 to 11 live every weekday. The Sports Machine with Slim. I'm a huge Celtics fan. Every single day I could talk Celtics. I could watch Celtics every single night as I did all of last night. And I was impressed with what the Celts did. That was a tough game for us on the road. I don't think the refs were helping us out at all. And I mean, when you got one guy on the other team who just can get space and is, is hitting his shots, 
There's only so much you can do. You could send double teams there, but Oklahoma City can shoot outside. And there was a point there as that lead was extending out to 18 points that I started to watch and say, yeah, we leaving guys open from three. Well, as the Celts started to cut the lead down from 18 points there in the second half, it was really in the fourth quarter. There was only about eight minutes in the game left, I think, when we had an 18-point deficit, and the Celts just kept scoring and scoring and were playing great D. The shots that OKC hit during that stretch, there were at least a couple of threes. You know what happened with those threes? Guys were helping off their man when they didn't need to be. Gilgis Alexander Tatum had him contained around the perimeter. Free throw line area 12, 14 feet from the basket. Tatum was between him and Gilgis Alexander. And yet, a defender for the Celts comes down, leaks off his own guy, comes down to kind of double team a little bit. The ball goes right out to the open man for three. Boom. There's a bucket. There's three points. And it's such a a backbreaker when you're trying to come back from 18 points down. Because it's just a boneheaded play. And giving up the three points is much more of a dejector to the whole team than a two would have been. I would rather have Tatum guarding the ball and Gilgis Alexander score a two. Go ahead. Let's see if you can do it. Go over the, the tall arms of our outstretched defender. And Tatum came to play last night. So I don't want to make it like, um, you know, I was kind of making fun of him, I suppose, a little bit because with that scenario, we know he hasn't come through on the last shot of the game very often. In fact, I went on YouTube last week and I, I Googled Jason Tatum buzzer beater game winner. You know what came up? He nailed one three against the Milwaukee Bucks like three years ago off the backboard. I think the game was tied. He, it was, he nailed the three off the backboard, as the buzzer sounded. So that one you shouldn't get any credit for. The one that did come up that he does get some credit for was in the playoffs last year. Remember, Marcus Smart had the ball out by the three, and Tatum cut to the basket, and it was a great pass. Boom, he finishes it off with like this swirly-durly layup. So he didn't even have the ball. He didn't create that on his own. Look for it. Tatum has not come through in end-of-game situations. It's just go and Google it. Like, somebody show me the video where he's nailed the three where the game was on the line, especially if we were down. Like, he hasn't done it. So why, when you have a collection of the NBA's legit best players on the team, Derek White, Kristaps Porzingis, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, a champion, and then you have Al Horford and, and Peyton Pritchard on the bench and Hauser too, but, I mean, those guys... Okay, they're, they're off the bench players. But why do the other four guys that are on the court with Tatum or potentially on the court with Tatum, why do they all need to defer to a guy who hasn't come through at the end? You don't need to. And if you watched the game last night, it, it really occurred to me, Derek White, part of big reason, big reason for that comeback from being down 18. And that's just a fighter's spirit. spirit. On, a, on a night when... Things just aren't going the best way for you. You're playing a good team. You're on their home court. They got the crowd cooking and everything like that. It shows some real serious metal and toughness to come back and battle back and be in a spot to potentially win the game at the end. Derek White was such a huge reason for it. He nailed this ridiculous three with like a minute left, going out of bounds and a high, high archer. But his defense... 
There was one time coming down the court, it was a legit three-on-one. Three-on-one, and they tried to throw an alley-oop. Derek White leaks off the ball a little bit, backs up, jumps in the air, and steals the ball. That's when you know, as a basketball player, that you're awesome. Is when the other team has three guys coming down the court, and they know who he is. He led the league in blocks last year for guards. Any team scouting against the Celts, they know, hey, Derek White is a a fantastic defensive player. Well, he steals the ball on a three-on-one during that type of a run when the Celts are trying to come back. That's, That's somebody who wants to win the game. And multiple possessions I saw in that fourth quarter with Derek White just kind of put his head down and get to the rim. And he throws it up off the backboard. Nice and easy layup. I mean, he was contested. But he shielded with his body, and it looked just smooth and easy. And I thought to myself, boy, you know something? Like, I don't really ever see Tatum doing that. Like, he'll score and go to the rack, and it's always like, oh, what a play. What a fantastic finish high off the board or just dipsy-do around somebody. Nice touch. But never just a nice, simple get to the lane, take off, put the ball in the hole through traffic. So why do we need to defer to him in the end-of-game situations? Derek White, I'm here to tell you, is the guy you want to have the ball in his hands. And even with Iowa, you know Caitlin Clark wants the ball. Last night, she comes down. She doesn't have the ball. There's six, seven seconds left in the game. It's tied. 73. She didn't have the ball. Point guard had the ball. Passed it to the big man top of the post. Goes to set a pick after the pass. She goes, sets a pick on Caitlin Clark's person. Caitlin, Caitlin Clark comes over to pick. Catches a ball on a pass back from the big center. And that's with three seconds left. Gets the ball. Boom. Fires it in. The Celtics need to stop this isolation stuff at the end of games. You need to work together. Pick and rolls. Attack the hoop. And you probably should have the ball in Derek White's hands. We're going to dig more into the Celtics here when we come back. Then we're going to talk about the Bruins 4-1 victory. Good stuff happened for that Bruins team. You're listening to The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Love them. Love them. That's a tough team they played last night, OKC. Porzingis had a big game, 34 points, 10 rebounds. Made a couple free throws. At the end, cut it to two, I think, with about 15 seconds left. And I watched as we went to commercial right at that point. And I see Drew Holiday. I was intentionally and purposefully looking for him to see his expression. Because for people that don't know, Drew Holiday got sent to the bench last night. I'd say around seven minutes left in the game, eight minutes. It was really right around when we were down 18. I think we were down 18 with eight minutes and change left. And Peyton Pritchard came in the game. And he sparked things, man. Pritchard was awesome on defense. I think he nailed the big three 
and he just was in the middle of a lot of plays, hustle plays, diving to the to the ground to tie up for a loose ball. Should have been a foul call because he had the ball and the OKC defender just wrapped around and <laughs> grabbed his head. But whatever, it is what it is. But I was I was surprised as I was watching the game, a team that could feel the momentum start to switch. So when it got down to about eight points, maybe five minutes left or so, I was watching to see, oh, are they going to bring Drew Holiday back in? Like, are they going to – or or whatever are they going to do? Are they going to leave Peyton Pritchard in the game? Because he was a big reason why we came back in the first place. So you just wonder, oh, are they going to take him out and bring back in the starters? Well, Drew had had a couple of really bad, bad turnovers there in the second half. I think it was Shea uh, picked his pocket clean two different times. And it was shortly after the second one that he went to the bench. And Peyton Pritchard come in the game, like I mentioned. So, as I said, just a handful of, of time left, of seconds left, 15 seconds left. Celtics are down by the two. Going to the, going to the bench as there's a timeout call. And, man, this is what's special about the team. I'm telling you people, get invested in the Boston Celtics this year. Drew Holiday up off the bench, clapping, high-fiving guys. You could see he's about the team, baby. He's about the team. It wasn't his night. That's fine. Uh, But I'm telling you, a lot of guys in the NBA would have been pouting and sulking that they were not in the game. They were down by 18 with eight minutes left. Drew Holiday goes to the bench. He's one of the best players on our team, definitely. And not for nothing, he's one of the best guards in the NBA. His defense is fantastic most nights. And... He's a great option on offense as well. The thing that sets this Celtics team apart from other years, I believe, is we got guys who are willing to sacrifice. You got a Porzingis out there putting in 34 points and 10 rebounds, and he's in a secondary type of role. Everybody defers to Tatum. You watch the playing out there. For the most part, as as every play in the game happens, guys are looking for Tatum. They're looking to get him the ball. If he's in position... They want to get him the ball. Then, sure, we'll go to Pazingas if he's in the right spot, and we'll run some plays for him. We run some plays for everybody. But the fact that you can have a starter, an NBA champion, who was a big reason for that championship with the Bucs. I mean, it was Middleton, Giannis, and, and Drew. Obviously, Giannis is the key guy there, but still, Drew was, uh, was, was in the mix, baby. And he puts all that stuff aside, says, hey, I'm here as a member of the Celtics now. And I'm here to help us win. And that's me on the bench for a little bit because it's not my night. Bingo. That's what sets teams teams apart in the NBA because now you're pushing each other. Now you're pushing each other. You think Peyton Pritchard is cool with just sitting on the bench now? Remember last year? This is a guy who was was telling the Celts around the trade deadline, here, you, you got to play me or trade me. Like this, it's not working out for me. And that guess what? I don't blame the guy. He was right. He should have been playing more last year. Last night, he's, what, plus nine in the plus minus? Five points, that's all he had. But three rebounds, four assists, two steals in 25 minutes. He's not the main option when he's out there. He's out there to be a spark plug, hustle, play D. And when I watch him play D, nobody gets by him. For the most part, he stays in front of his guy. So... That's how deep we are. 
You got Horford playing 20 minutes off the bench, which is exactly what we want him doing right now. Save this guy. Last year, he played bunches of minutes through the regular season because we were, we were just crushing, doing so well. Horford was the main guy in the rotation, and come playoff time, he was gassed. I think he was something like 3 for 20 in his last uh, handful of games in the playoff shooting threes. I'm making that stat up a little bit, I will say, off the top of my memory. I'm not a big stats guy. Anybody who listens to the show every day, I just kind of make up my own numbers sometimes, and then my callers will call in and say, oh, hey, uh, yeah, Slim, here's the actual numbers. And I was like, oh, man, I hate when the stats don't back up what I was talking about. We do take callers here on the show. For anybody that hasn't listened before, I love callers. 603-224-1450. There's one open line there right now, 603-224-1450. If you want to call in, I'll get you on the air. And if you're a good sports talk show person, if you're, you like you like your, your Celtics, you want to talk Bruins next segment, we can do that. I'll go back and forth with you. I'm willing to share the microphone. I have no fear. I'm not intimidated. Some of these other sports talk shows, you listen to the ones out of Boston, they, they want you to say 20 seconds of words, and then they get you off the line. They, they run them right out the door so they can hear themselves talk more. I love to hear myself talk, believe me, but I love to hear other people talk more. So the, the invitation is extended. 603-224-1450 is the number. Last night, I'll also say, Luke Cornett, he's kind of a player. I'm not saying he's great. Defensively, he's a little slow, but he at least challenges in the middle. He competes. What do you have last night? Zero points, 15 minutes. That's okay, Luke. Keep up the hustle. Sam Hauser, just a thing of beauty watching this man shoot his three-pointers. Minus seven in the plus-minus. He was two for three from three-point land. His defense Needs work. Sam Hauser, he's a liability on the defensive end if you watch. He tries. Good member of the team. But you got to f- pick your spots with this guy. Once we get in the playoffs, Sam, unless you get quicker, man, we can't have you on the court very much in the playoffs. Unless we're down 18. And we need a spark. And a comeback. Then we'll, we'll throw you in the game, see if you can nail a couple threes. But if you watch the game, his defense is a definite, definite liability. I'd rather play the Brissett kid in there because his defense is studly. Celts are deep. People, we could maybe use another big man. I got a friend who texts me about that. I like the Cater guy off the bench. He didn't play at all last night, but uh, he's impressed me with his hustle. He's big. He's got size. He's got quickness, too. We'll see what happens as the season goes along. You know you are in for a big run this year with the Boston Celtics. They just They have so much talent. Listen to this lineup. Tatum, Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown. In breaking news, Jalen Brown still can't dribble. I mean, I don't want to attack the guy. I don't. I try not to cut people down in 2024. I want to build them up. But he was four for 18 from the field. 38 minutes. Three, just really bad turnovers that I saw. He had four for the game, but three where he's just like dribbling into people. You remember the, the play last night for those that watched? He got the ball in the wing, dribbles with his right hand by the guy. Along the baseline, rises up, dunks it real hard, almost falls coming down, but great play. What was it about that that was different than the other plays? He knew, I'm going to my right hand, I'm exploding, I'm taking off, I'm dunking. When he gets into traffic and has to dribble through people and cross over, it doesn't work, dude. You're 4 for 18 last night. You've, you've continually, in big spots, turned the ball over. Stop dribbling into traffic. We have other guys who can dribble into traffic and, like, not lose the ball. 
Derek White and Drew Holiday come to mind. Let those guys handle the ball. Get on the wing like a Clay Thompson. Fire when you're open from three. Up fake. Put the ball to the hole. Go to the rack. It's simple. And a lot of this is coaching. I've talked about don't leave the three-point shooters, and I know most people that follow basketball probably have no clue how big a thing. It's easy. It's obvious. All these teams want to shoot three-point shots. Last night, the Celtics, 15 for 40 from three. The OKC Thunder, 18 for 40. 40 shots from both teams from three. Why would you want to play any defense that leaves guys open from three. Don't sag off those people. Stay close to them. Then they don't get to step in wide open threes. The kick out off the drive is covered. You'll steal the ball. It's just, it's not that hard, but coaches just are so used to doing the same things all the time. They don't know how to change their styles. Bill Belichick. We got another half hour coming up here with the Sports Machine with Slim. We're going to dig into the Boston Bruins last night. Shattenkirk stays hot with this third goal in three games. I like this guy. I like this team. We'll break down the Bruins' victory next on NHTalkRadio.com. WKXL's 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. NFL playoffs are coming right up. Then in the springtime, the Celtics and the Bruins. When these teams play in the spring in the playoffs, and you wake up in the morning the next day, you're going to look to your radio dial. You're going to want to find the sports talk radio. What are they talking about? What did they think of this last second shot? Who are we going to be blaming for the loss? Who had a great game to help us win? Who are we playing in the next round? This is this place. This is the place right here. You're going to want to do it. WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com. And the reason why, especially when it comes to the Celtics, is you will hear insight here on this station that you will not hear at other places. How about this one? 23 seconds left in the game last night. Celts were down by two. Jalen Williams, in case you don't know, plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He averages on the season 3.6 points a game, 3.3 rebounds, 1.4 assists. His field goal percentage is 38.4. 38.4% he shoots from the field. He played eight minutes last night, but he was in the game at the end for Oklahoma City. Do you know he was guarded by Jason Tatum with 30 seconds left? He put his head down, dribbled to the hoop, stops, shoots a four-foot jumper, whatever you want to call it. Tatum was matched up one-on-one. Jalen Williams scored. So Tatum, in game-winning time, you're down by two, 30 seconds left, after being down by 18 with eight minutes. You got all the momentum in the world on your side. You're one of the best players in the world, and you're a good defensive player. Jason Tatum, you're one-on-one against the dude who plays eight minutes a game, averages 3.5 points a game. That dude cooks you. 
Is anybody else hearing that on any other radio stations? No. I haven't even listened, but I know they're not. They probably don't even have a clue. I have a clue. Jason Tatum not only ain't making big shots at the end of games, he's also getting toasted by dudes that play eight minutes a game. Where if you make the stop right there, the likelihood of us winning the game last night is uh, incredibly high. But whatever, let's turn the page, figuratively speaking and actually speaking, to the Boston Bruins. I'm watching them more and more now. And they, they've started the streak uh, where they play 10 games over a 17-day period. The Boston Bruins. You're going to get treated to some good hockey. If you're, if you're a hockey fan, last night I made it a point after I put the kids to bed. All right, I turn it on. Uh, we're just starting the second period. 0-0 at the end of the first. We come out, start the second. This Shattenkirk guy, I love his name and I love his game. Gets, on, gets us on the board, stays hot. Shattenkirk stays hot with a goal that makes it three and three games. He had two the other day, two power play goals, I think, the other day. Then within a minute later in the second period, boom, Ohio comes right back. They score, they tie it up. Then a few minutes later, Geeky draws a penalty. I love Geeky. He's the dude that I, I really, I love the name. And I love everything that he does on the ice. As not a uh, Bruins expert, as just a simple sports radio talk show commentator who watches some of the games, Geeky's probably my favorite player. I think he, he does everything well out there, and we got him out of nowhere for cheap money. He comes in, draws the penalty, bingo. We go on the attack, and this penalty unit, the you know shorthanded Playing against shorthanded teams, the Bruins' penalty power play is absolutely fantastic now. If you watch these games, remember a few years ago, the Bruins couldn't score. When Claude was here, uh, it was like in the playoffs, too, we have 14 penalties without us scoring anything. I'm going to tell you what, this year, that ain't happening. The Bruins score on the power play with talent, with skill, and with I wonder if it's luck. I mean, this is the thing about hockey that I've always just thought is, is amazing. Last night, while they were on the penalty, uh, while they are on the power play, sorry, one-to-one score, second period, Lindholm gets control of the puck out, I don't know, top of the key is where I would call it in basketball, and he fires a shot. Well, son of a gun, wouldn't you know it? This Van Riemsdyk guy, who I think is from UNH, redirects it in the air. Really like it was intentional. It's just amazing how these hockey players can do it. You fire the puck at the net. I'm going to stand kind of in front of the net, and when the puck comes toward me, I'm going to use my stick to hit that puck so that it changes direction and goes in the net. How do these guys do it? <laughs> really? I mean, that's a talent. That's something next level for me. You, There's so many pieces going on. Well, the Bruins made it look easy with that one last night. They go up 2-1, to one, end up winning the game 4-1. to one. One thing that stands out in my memory, and I wrote it down in my notes, who's this guy? What's his last name? Lowry? Something like this. He's a defenseman for the Bruins. And I do this intentionally, just so people know. As I'm watching the game, and I come in and I'm preparing to talk the next day, I intentionally have ignorance when it comes to the Bruins. I'm not a hockey guy. I'm not a hockey expert. I'm trying to build into one, but I just want that to come across as I'm, I'm discussing the, the breakdowns of the game. It's like, hey, if I mispronounce a guy, I have no idea where they're from. That's just who I am. I try to be real as much as I possibly can. But you know what's real? This dude, Lowry, or whatever his name is, I watched the video. It was third period, I'm pretty sure. 
This guy got, got nailed in the face somehow, in the mouth. I think he might have bit his tongue or something happened. But you can see he's on the bench. Blood coming out of his mouth. There's stuff and gauze inside of it. There's blood all on his jersey. And I'm assuming it is. And it, it's his blood. And it wasn't just a little bit. Like there was, there was some serious blood action going on with this guy. And you can see he's huffing and puffing like, <gasps> like he's, he's winded. And he's talking to the coach who's tending to his injury. And he's like, no, 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 I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm going to go in there. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Like you can just see him his whole body language is like, I'm fine. Get away from me. Let me. I want to go play. What a contrast in styles between that and like Jalen Brown last night who got hit in the head or something, but he goes down to the ground and he's, you know, covering his face. He, he like, he, oh man, he got nailed so bad. And it did look like he got, he got hit. Okay. But I'm there watching with my wife at this point and she goes, oh no. And I instantly go, nah, he's fine. He just acts like that. He just overreacts to injuries all the time. Jim Brown, remember the other day with him and, and LeBron? That was Christmas Day. They banged knees or something. Jim Brown was down on the ground for like two minutes. Like, oh, man, I used to get on Paul Pierce. I can remember back in the day for him with his, his injuries, always feeling like. And then you look at the Bruins and these guys in hockey. And what's a more popular sport? By far, basketball. Money-wise, ratings. Basketball's way more uh, you know, popular amongst the general population. As you watch the Bruins, or as I watched the Bruins, and I was thinking it last night, I started saying, ooh, this is kind of more fun to watch. You just have to know the guys and the players on the team. If I say to you, what number's Geeky? I think he's 39. What number's Lindholm? I think he's 27. I'm not even positive. Coyle, I think 13. If you know what these guys can do from their strengths, because they got on the helmets and the cameras are far away, so you don't know who they are. But I'm going to tell you what. If you know who Pasternak is and you see him getting the puck in like fast action coming up the ice and you see it's a two-on-one, that's exciting because you now know, wait a minute, if they don't get to Pasternak, he's probably going to wrist shot or slap shot that right into an open spot in that net. If you don't know who has the puck, it's, it's just different. If it's a guy who kind of blows, it's like, okay, they're going to throw the puck on net and then you're hoping for the rebound. It's just different if you know who the players are. Now's the time to be watching the Bruins games. And now's the time to be listening to the sports machine with Slim. And you yourself can be a caller that's welcomed into the studio even. Yesterday, for people that don't know, we had Mitty come on and really break down some, Bru- uh, some Patriots action with me and reveal for the very first time a song that he had created, the Patriots parody, about feeling stressed out as a Patriots fan because things just haven't been going in our direction here over the last couple of years, and it seems like it's panic time. The Patriots, a lot of good action coming up moving forward. A lot of big decisions. Do we keep Belichick? Who do we draft? It's a time for just uh, you know turning the page, potentially. Or, as I've now flipped my script, keeping Belichick in town. I know I was talking hockey full throttle there, but the Patriots are going to take us through the next couple of weeks with the big decisions that are on. Then it's going to be time to gear up for Celtics playoffs and Bruins playoffs. New England area sports fans, this is a call out to you. This is a challenge to you. We have become... 
A fat and lazy fan base expecting to win. The hunger from the fans is not there. It's more replaced with sadness that Brady's gone. That's what Mitty's song talked about yesterday. And as I've coined the term, the curse of Tom Brady. It's hovering over us people in this region. We need a team to break through and lift that curse. The Boston Celtics are the team to do it. Can the Bruins potentially be as well? We're going to want to talk about it. The springtime of 2024, baby, right here on the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. This is NHTalkRadio.com. Machine with Slim on a Wednesday. It's 10.50. We got 10 more minutes. I'm going to take this opportunity to do something a little bit different. I'm going to tell you, every now and then I kind of go off script. We talked some Bruins. We talked some Celtics. We talked a little bit of Patriots stuff. Mitty's song from yesterday. If you haven't heard it, you can find it in a variety of sources. It's about the Patriots and the fact that we have not been doing too well in recent years, especially... This year, I wonder if Belichick's going to go after this uh, game on Sunday. Of course he is. He's going to try to win because the biggest reason why, and I, I, I listened to a couple other stations this morning. I didn't hear them talk about it, but Belichick's only one loss away from having the most losses all time by any coach in the NFL. I think Jeff Fisher and Dan Reeves right now are tied with uh, one more than him, and I think it's 165 losses for their careers. And Bill Belichick has 164. So he's only one loss away from tying the other coaches for the most losses in the history of the game. Now, on the winning side, I think he's up 14 or 13 wins away from challenging Shula as the most wins by a coach of all time. So if Belichick is going to hang it up at the end of this year, right, if he wasn't going to coach anymore... He definitely wants to win this game on Sunday because why would you want to be known as a coach who has the most losses in the history of the league? You would you'd rather have one less than the two other guys that seem to have the same amount, wouldn't you? If this is the last game that Belichick's ever going to coach, he's going all out. He's throwing everything at the kitchen sink in there. like He's throwing it all. But uh, if he's going to be coming back with the Patriots, which I am now – in favor of. I don't want him going anywhere. I've seen too much ineptitude from these other coaches out there in the NFL. I know they get paid two, three, four, five million, and you would automatically think that that equates to them being smarter than me. It doesn't. These guys have no clue what they're doing when it comes to managing the clock. It's just time and time again every week. It is so frustrating to watch these ignoramuses, and I'm going to keep it general and not specifically call out people by name. Mike McCarthy. I just have had enough of what I've seen out there in the NFL coaching ranks. That Brandon Staley guy from the Chargers, oh my goodness, finally he got fired after his team loses by a million and gets embarrassed here. The whole organization on a Thursday night game a few weeks ago. See you later to that dude. Yeah. Bill Belichick needs to come back as the Patriots coach. 
And his team hasn't quit. You can say he's old, he's crusty. I can make fun of him all day long. The track record in the last four years stinks. We're just going down a step each year, a lower and lower step, to the point where now we're going to have the second to maybe fifth worst record in the league and draft pick. Got to nail that draft pick. I don't care where we draft. I don't care if we draft second. I don't care where we draft if we go fifth. History has shown. You can have the number one pick, Bryce Young, make that trade. Uh, make, the, uh, make the trade and then make the pick what Carolina did last year, and it doesn't work out. They got the worst record in the league again this year, and they got their owner throwing drinks on fans from the opposing teams. David Tepper just got fined three hundred grand. What the heck? What was it? Three hundred million? <laughs> I don't remember exactly how much it is. I think it was three hundred grand. To these guys, it seems like it's all the same. Hedge fund guys, infinite amounts of money, kind of like the U.S. government. Does anybody out there watch the movie or the the show Fargo? As I just completely shift gears. This TV show, unbelievable. If you're not watching Fargo, you're doing something wrong. And I know everybody's got a favorite TV show. I'm just going to tell you. This thing is is next level with the craziness of these characters. Fargo's been on, I'd say, like six or seven seasons, maybe five. But this one, I feel, is the best. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting. There's only two more episodes in the season. You want to tune in. Catch up with Fargo. I watched that last night after the... the Sporting events, the Celtics and the Bruins were over, and uh, I, I, I'm thinking highly enough of it that I have to mention the TV show, the first TV show I've ever mentioned on the Sports Machine with Slim here. Watch Fargo. Also watch, apparently, the Grambling women play college basketball. I saw this this morning on ESPN. Grambling women wins last night, win their game, 159-8. to eight. 159 to 18 Grambling defeats the College of Biblical Studies. Not sure what that is. The College of Biblical Studies. They needed to pray a little harder, I think, for this game. 159 to 18. They were down 34 to 0 to open it up. Now, I am a big believer in, in religion. I am, I am, uh, I've got my own beliefs, but I believe that something created us, and I believe in the power of prayer, I believe in the power of feeling good things, and wanting to do things to help other people, and that it can legit make a difference in their lives, and it just automatically can make a difference in your own life as well, and I saw it over the weekend here, for anybody that was up New Year's Eve, I saw one of the channels had the festivities, it was, uh, lottery, I think Powerball, was going to award a million dollars to somebody, and there were five contestants up there. I don't even know how they got entered into it, but it was like 10 minutes after the new year rang in at you know, 12, 10 Eastern time, and this woman's name gets called. She's the first millionaire of the year from the, from the Powerball, and she falls to the ground. I thought she might have been dead. She, she's almost lifeless, but she was just in shock. She's down there for 10, 15 seconds. She gets up, gets the microphone. First thing she says, thank you, God. Praise God. How many times do we see interviews with players after games? I want to give praise to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, that just, you hear it all the time, and now it doesn't really stand out. It doesn't make any difference to, to people. Like it's, okay, you know, he's saying that. But what does that person really think? 
Like this woman who said, thank you, God, the very first words. Such a big thing, a miracle happening in her life. And those miracles get overlooked. And in fact, it's, I think people are afraid to talk about religion because you're just going to make people upset, right? You say, oh, don't talk about religion or politics at family gatherings. Like, why, why can't you talk about religion? What's the bad thing? I don't care what religion somebody is. I really don't care. As long as your belief is do unto others as you, you, know, as you would have them do unto you. Let's all try to be nicer to one another in the year 2024. Why is this so impossible, a dream, to think this, this could actually happen? Well, that little piece of info was sponsored to you right there by the uh, College of Grambling and their women's basketball team defeating the College of Biblical Studies 159 to 18. I cannot imagine what I would have been going through had I been the coach of the College of Biblical Studies last night. I am not sure how I would have maintained my composure. I most certainly would have been upset with whoever's decision it was to schedule that game against Grambling. I don't care how much money was involved. I don't care what type of press or stuff is coming out for news afterwards. A loss like that by my players to go down 159 to 18, to have to sit on that bench as the other team opens up a 34-0 lead at the start of the game, that's not good for those college students. This is a college. These are, these are still kids in some way, shape, or form. They're still developing. When I was in college, I mean, I wasn't the genius that I am today. <laughs> I had to go through some learning stuff to get this smart. <laughs> the College of Biblical Studies. What, what were they saying as they dropped to their knees in prayer that night after that game? Thank God it's over. Thank, thank God. Why have you challenged me so? <laughs> what, what an awful, awful event that, 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 that this occurs. 159 to 18. And not for nothing, the coach of Grambling, you should be ashamed of yourself. I don't know who you are. You should be ashamed of yourself for running up a scoreboard like that. And don't tell me, oh, we didn't try to. We did all we could. 159 to 18. I'm going to tell you what, I could play my school of second graders, my team of first and second graders that I coached last night. Great practice, kids. Great job out there. We got a big game on Saturday. But I could, I could play against them with four buddies of mine, and we could uh, play a 40-minute game and make sure not to run the score up that bad. We're going to work on passing. We're going to work on back cuts. We're going to work on 30, using 30 seconds of the shot clock and then trying to get the best shot we possibly can. We're going to give it to somebody who doesn't play very much and let them be going one-on-one against the defenders. There's so many ways you can keep that score away from that. 159 to 18, it's almost like they intentionally beat down the College of Biblical Studies. But it's the Biblical Studies team's fault. They never should have scheduled that game. And, yeah. I guess I don't need to be upset about it. No, I'm really not. I'm just kind of doing sports talk radio with this, but just something like that. My goodness. Somebody needs to step in. When you see something totally wrong like that, it's just like, let's stop this. Let's not do this. Let's, let's schedule some teams that make sense for us to be playing against. I wouldn't schedule my first and second grade team to go play in Grambling tomorrow. I might schedule my men's league basketball team from the past. I might schedule a collection of them to try and play Grambling. See what the outcome would be of that game. 
because I don't think the Grambling coach would be liking it too much as we run up the score and cross their team. How's it feel to have that uh, shoe on the other foot? So that's how we wrap up the show today. Always something a little different, or at least try, here on the Sports Machine with Slim. This is New Hampshire's Next Generation Sports Talk radio show for a reason. WKXL, you can hear us on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to 11, the Sports Machine with Slim.